Welcome to Mill Creek Church in Belleville, Texas, where our worship service is in progress. Today, Pastor Monty Bird continues with his sermon series on the book of Romans. And now, Pastor Bird. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, as we open up your word in Romans this morning, I just pray that you'd continue to speak to us through this truth that we would take it and embrace it and apply it to our life, that we might use it and stand as a testimony to others regarding the power of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn with me, if you will, to the 14th chapter of Romans as we begin our study this morning. And if you recall, starting in Romans chapter 12, Paul is instructing believers on how they should live, how they should interact not only with the world, but also interact with fellow Christians. And in Romans 14, if you recall, we're at the point to where we're interacting with one another within the body of Christ. And of course, Paul is writing the church at Rome. This same type of instruction is good for us as well as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ within the church body. And last week, I looked at verse 1, Romans 14, 1, where it says, Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. And last week I concentrated on the fact that there are weak and strong within the church. Some are weak because they're brand new to the faith. They've just come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. They're they're just beginning their walk with Christ. Some are weak because in their free will they chose not to progress in their faith as much as they could or can. And unfortunately, some are weak today because they are in a weak church, a church that isn't preaching and teaching the Word. I remember one time someone told me that they they knew that they were in the wrong church and they knew that they needed to change, but they, they couldn't because that's where their friends were. And I can't imagine choosing to be spiritually stunted because one wants to stay within the fellowship of their friends just for Sunday. Doesn't mean you have to give up your friends. But do you stay in a church that's not preaching the truth? But I've heard that throughout my ministry, where people go, well, um, you know, we like your church, we like what your church stands for, but we're going to this other church because it has stuff for the kids, or it has the happening youth group in town, and it has this and it has that. But there's only one thing that one should look for as they choose where to congregate within the church, and, and that is, do they preach and teach the Word of God? And so that's why you have weak and strong within the church. Some by choice, some that they've just come to a saving knowledge, some because the body is weak, because the preacher 
and the teachers aren't teaching the Word of God. But I will tell you this, that God will reward your quest for spiritual growth. James 4.8 says this, Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. In those verses, James 4, 8 and James 4, 9, you see that promise that if you draw near to God, He's going to draw near to you. If you seek a closeness to God, He will be close to you. If you submit yourself to God, He will lift you up. In other words, being spiritually immature does not have to be permanent. And in fact, it shouldn't be permanent. And the purpose of the church is to encourage a transition from weak to strong. That's the purpose. Turn to Ephesians 4 with me. Ephesians 4, starting in verse 11. Ephesians 4, starting in the 11th verse. This is what Paul wrote. He said, And he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now let's stop right there just for a moment. So when you think about the congregation and you think about the body of Christ, both here at the local level, here in our church, in any church, along with collectively the body of Christ on a global basis, some have been given certain types of gifts to equip the saints. Now look at verse 13 in that context. Till we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into Him who is the head Christ from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which Every part does its share, causing growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. And there you find the purpose and ministry of the church. The church is to move the weak to strong. It's the purpose. The purpose isn't entertainment. The purpose isn't entertainment. Somebody reminded me the other day, and I used to say this quite often, but I'm not here to be your cruise director. You know, there's a reason why pastors only last three and a half years now at each church. Because they're burnt out 
because they're not preaching the truth. They're not doing what they're called to do. They're the cruise director. They're the entertainment director. But that's not the purpose. The purpose of the church, both here in the pulpit, as well as in our Sunday school hour, in our Wednesday hour, regardless of the age, regardless of the age, I'm talking about whether they're children, whether they're teenagers, whether they're young adults, whether they're middle-aged, whether they're seniors, the purpose of the church is to move the weak to the strong. Look at those verses again there in Ephesians 4. It says that we should no longer be children. We should no longer be children. In verse 15, it says that we should grow up. In verse 16, it says that everyone should do their part. Causes growth of the body for edifying of itself in love. This is the mission of the church, is to move the weak to the strong. And as the church carries out its mission, as we get together as individuals, we have to recognize that we all come from different backgrounds. We all grew up at different places. We all grew up at different times or of different generations. We're in this church from a lot of different denominational backgrounds. In fact, it's one of the things that I'm proud of in our ministry here is that as we've preached and concentrated on the Word and as we've taught the Word in Sunday school and and Wednesday, it's amazing to me how God has called people from all different denominational backgrounds here in the church. And our focus has been on Christ. But... You have to acknowledge that sometimes when you get people from different backgrounds, different maturity levels, different walks of life, different viewpoints, that sometimes there can be conflict. Not all the time, but sometimes there can be conflict. And this leads us to our focal passage, which is found in Romans 14, verses 2 through 4. It reads, For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. And let him who does not eat judge him who eats. For God has received him. Who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. Now let's first look at the context that Paul is writing and who he's directing this particular instruction to. In Rome, in the church at Rome, you had both Jew and Gentile. At that particular time, you still had Jews that had come out from an old covenant background who had a very strict dietary law, and they had come into the church accepting the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. And that was their background, a background of of the legalism in that time in Judaism, the legalism of the Jewish faith. In addition, you had Gentiles there in Rome 
who came out of a pagan background who had been idol worshipers and they were used to sacrificing their animals down at the temple and that meat from the temple ended up down at the meat market. So they were sensitive to that, that you were eating meat from an idol sacrifice. And those folks from that background were in the weak camp that Paul's directing because they, they were very sensitive. They were very sensitive to either their Old Testament, Old Covenant past or their past in idolatry. The mature believer said, hey, that's in the past. That's in the past. I'm I'm of Christ. Bring on the bacon. That's how they looked at it. So you basically had three different groups. You had the weak who were very sensitive to their Old Testament dietary laws. You had the weak who were from an idol background. And then you had the spiritually mature who composed of both groups who were mature in their faith from a Jewish background and also were mature in their faith from a Gentile background. And there are times, because of that, there is a conflict. In what can one be guilty of when you have this type of conflict? Paul tells us in verse 4, Who are you to judge another servant? Who are you to judge another servant? Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Is that we have an idea of how one should worship. And in that idea, we end up in a judgment. Uh, John MacArthur calls this a matter of preference. Martin Lloyd-Jones calls this a matter of indifference. And there are times, even though you and I don't have that background of either idolatry, nor we have that background of Old Testament living, there are times where we could be highly sensitive to things because of our past. And we find certain things disagreeable. And that can lead to conflict, and we end up judging. In Martin Lloyd-Jones' sermon on this, he said that when he went over to continental Europe once, and of course, his denominational background there in the UK at that particular time, all the ministers were teetotalers. Didn't touch alcohol. He said, we, we went over for a mission conference and they were on continental Europe and all the missionaries and all the pastors from continental Europe, they were drinkers. And he said, it just kind of blew us away that, you know, you had ministers that drank alcohol. It wasn't his background. And you've got to recognize that there are times when we come together that there are differences. And here we're told 
not to judge. Now, we're not talking about matters of sin, and I want to make that perfectly clear because some people look at these verses and they think that you can wink at sin. This isn't about sin. And if you think about this, all of these groups that I just mentioned, what they're concerned about, and this is the differentiating part, everyone that I've just mentioned is concerned about how they serve God. We're not talking about sin here, about winking at sin. We're talking about everyone is in pursuit of being acceptable and having acceptable worship before the Lord. That's the common denominator. Now, they have different paths, but they're pursuing a relationship with the Lord. But sometimes in that pursuit, we can be guilty of falling into a judgment. And Paul encountered this with false teachers. And if you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and even though it's a little bit different because you've got false teachers, in other words, non-believers, in how Paul is having to interact with that. I think it's worthy of comparison because it points out the human condition. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 12. I love this verse. It's wordy. It's a wordy verse. It's probably one of the most wordy verses in the New Testament. But if you look at it and you think about it, It all makes sense, but it's not something that you can read really quick. But 2 Corinthians 10, 12, For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. We, however, will not boast beyond measure, but within the limits of the sphere which God appointed us, a sphere which especially includes you. Now, look at verse 12 more closely in the second part. But they, he's referring to the false teacher, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Now, Let me give you the East Texas translation. They have their own yardstick. That's what they're doing. They have their own yardstick. And that's a matter of weakness with all of it. We create our own benchmark, is a fancier way of saying it. It's like when you look at your neighbor. You always look better, right? We always create a very low hurdle in how we judge ourselves. And so when you look at what Paul just wrote, but they measuring themselves by themselves on yardstick and comparing themselves among themselves on yardstick are not wise. They are not wise. And so back to our potential for church conflict, if you are looking at someone else and how they pursue God or where they are at at that given point, we are not wise. And if you look at 
Christianity in the form of a heavenly ticket, which I've used that word before, and that's, that is your benchmark for Christianity. Everybody's got a heavenly ticket. That's an extremely shallow way of looking at Christianity. Because what Christianity is, is God calling us out of darkness into light and maturing us as believers all along the way until we stand before Him complete. That's a lot richer view of Christianity. But if I just look at people with a heavenly ticket, it's real easy to judge. If I recognize that I got saved in 1976, and through the power of God and His sanctification, He's been working on me, sometimes willingly, sometimes unwillingly, He's been working on me. And then all of a sudden, I start comparing myself to somebody who was saved in 2015. That's unwise. That's unwise. And we have to recognize that as God builds His body, He brings people to us from all different backgrounds, all different stages of their spiritual maturity and their walk. And we need to look at them in that light, which is the first thing that we do to overcome judgment. And Paul tells us this. It's the first thing that we do. The first thing that we do to overcome weakness is found in Romans 14, where we overcome the weakness of judging. Romans 14, let not him who eats despise him who does not eat, and let not him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has received them. In other words, they're a child of God. The weak Christian Jew, the weak Christian Gentile, and the strong Christian, whether from a Gentile background or a Jewish background, are all part of God's kingdom. So the first thing that you have to do is is that you have to recognize that as we all pursue God, as we all pursue God, we're all God's children. Not all humanity is all God's children. That drives me crazy. It's all Christians are God's children. So if we woke up next Sunday and all of a sudden you had 20 people that came in our church doors that had just accepted the Lord Jesus Christ... There are going to be growing pains. And we have to recognize that. It would be unwise of us to look at somebody in that context and go, why aren't you getting this? Don't you understand this? Haven't you read your Bible? Well, no, they haven't. We are here to equip them from weak to strong. Paul dealt with this in Colossians. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3, starting in the 8th verse. But now you yourselves are to put off all of these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds. And have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. 
Whether there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Now when you look at verse 11, Paul's casting a wide net, isn't he? Greek, Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free. He said, Christ is in all. He's in all. For those that profess Christ, all of their backgrounds, the unifying factor there is the Lord Jesus Christ. And as God builds His church and equips His church, His church is designed to move the weak to the strong. So that's, that's the first step. And when we recognize that, when we recognize that someone may have just accepted the Lord Jesus Christ and they're dealing with their past and they need to grow mature, the last thing that we want to do is offend them. What we need to do is encourage them. Is to encourage them. And as we encourage them to read His Word, to attend the congregation, to participate within the body, they move from being weak to strong. I remember when I was a kid and... I would go to Wednesday night prayer meeting and we'd have testimony time. And we had some older people in our congregation, probably my age now, but (laughs) they looked old at the time. And I remember they would stand up and they would give a testimony. And I remember thinking to myself at the time, well, that really sounds wise. I wish I could be that wise. Well, how did they become wise? They became wise to the power of God in walking through the trials and tribulations that they found themselves in and leaning on the Word of God. And God matured them. Let patience have its perfect work. He matured them. That's how God works. And that's how the church should work. Is that we take people in their walk of life And we encourage them to rest upon the Word of God. And we walk with them as God matures them in sanctification. And the first step is just to recognize them in their belief. What's the second step? Let's look at verse 4 again. Who are you to judge another's servant to His own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. He will be made to stand. In other words, the second step is is to recognize that God will sanctify his people. He will. That's definitive. Look at the last part of four again. Indeed, he will be made, made, doesn't say might, made to stand. For God is able to 
make him stand? In other words, as a child of God, you will progress. You will progress. And I want to point that out in the parable of the seed and sower in Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, verse 11. These are the words of Christ. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root, who believe for a while and in a time the temptation fall away. Now the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. doesn't say might bear fruit. In fact, Christ tells us that if we abide in Him, we will bear fruit. And as we interact with brothers and sisters in Christ, and as we encounter weak believers, not only is it important that to recognize that we're dealing with a child of God, but also we can rest in the fact for the person that is weak, that God will mature His people. It's not a maybe. It's the power of God. And it might not be today. It might not be tomorrow. It might not be five years from now. But God will mature His people. And as a church, as we have weak and strong, and as the church grows, and as we have people come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's so much better to interact with one another when we recognize the mission of the church. And we can be patient. We can be patient with the weak. Now, I've always said about Luke 8, how do you tell a false professor of Christ and a true professor of Christ is the true one, even though they may drift from the path, even though they may fall off the horse, they keep getting back on the horse. And we've got to recognize that. And if we want to be used by God, if we want the church to grow, both spiritually and numerically. You have to have that confidence. Now, in closing, is that confidence in you or is that putting confidence in the power of God? It's putting confidence in the power of God. And as we interact, we need to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what a congregation does. We bear one another's burdens. And as we come together, we should pray for one another. And we should lift each other up. And we should pray for the spiritual maturity. And I would imagine that if we 
all of a sudden found ourselves with five or six people that had just accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, one of the greatest things that we can do for those people is we can pray for them. We can encourage them. And we can fulfill the mission that Christ has for His church, that we participate in the work of Christ by moving the weak to the strong. Join me in prayer. Father, we just thank You, Lord, for Your truth. We thank You, Lord, for the power of Christ, the power of salvation, the power of sanctification. And I pray, Lord, that You would use us in our community. You would use us that we might be servants in Your kingdom to help equip our brothers and sisters in their progression of their sanctification. I pray, Lord, for those who are listening who haven't given their life to Christ, that if they've never repented from their sins, never turned from their past, we pray, Lord, that they'd ask for forgiveness of sins, that they would turn to Christ for salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us as Pastor Bird continues this sermon series. If you wish to hear more, you may find him at millcreekchurch.org or go to sermonaudio.com slash millcreekchurch. Prayer requests may also be left at millcreekchurch.org. Our church services are as follows. Sunday morning Bible study is at 9 a.m., followed by our worship service at 10 a.m. We have Wednesday night prayer meeting and Bible study, and they are at 6.30 p.m. For more information and our mission statement, please visit our website, milkcreekchurch.org.